Welcome back to another episode of Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Colin Connolly, Media Relations Manager here with the Iowa Cubs. We're excited to be joined today by former Major League umpire Kyle McCready. Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate you having me on, guys. Thank you. So being an umpire isn't the easiest job out there, no matter no matter what call you make, you're upsetting one side or the other. So kind of what got you into um, umping and where did it all get started for you? Uh, I played all the way from the time I was six, all the way up until college. I went to a local community college uh, here in my hometown in Longview, Washington. And I played there for a couple of years and then I got done uh, playing. I decided not to play anymore and decided to move on, but I was still going to school. So I, I had uh, a local friend uh, convince me to come out and try to do some Babe Ruth and Little League games during the summer just to make some extra money. And I thought, what the heck, why not? I can do that. Uh, so that's how I, that's how I first got into it. First started. Nice. So you, <laughs> the convincing, <laughs> that's a, that's crazy. But, um, so the first step you said was kind of little league and Babe Ruth. What, uh, what was that like? I guess just getting started with, with little league Babe Ruth games. Did you, did you have any kind of mindset at all going into that? Or what, like you said, was it just to make money and get through a summer? Yeah, just to, to make a little bit of extra cash. And then I went out there. And, um, I I was young and I was credible when I walked out there. Um, just my size and my athletic stature. Um, like people believe me. And <laughs> I, was, I was pretty good at what I did. And uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. But I really didn't know what I was doing. So um, I really didn't know like where to stand or like you know, how to do anything. And uh, I was like, man, I should probably get trained about how to, on how to do this. So I actually know what I'm doing and where I'm supposed to go. And so I, uh, I went to a couple camps and a couple clinics that they had locally. And that's how I started my, my training. And then within that process, I met a, a minor league umpire at the time working in the California league. And I just kind of asked him how he, what he did and how he did it. And he said he went to school for it, and he said that that's what he did for a living, and he was working his way up to the big leagues. And I was like, man, like I'm going to do that. So uh, I finished college, and uh, I still had about two and a half years left in college at the time when I was umpire in amateur baseball, and I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. That's what I set my sights on. And uh, I told myself after I graduated from college that, that I would go to professional umpire school and see what happens. That's awesome. Um I guess to kind of give a background story, I remember playing in, in Little League and Babe Ruth games, and that's kind of how we got to know each other, me playing middle infield or catching and uh, just having those kind of conversations with the umpire. What um, what are some of those relationships like for you with, with players on the field, and how do, how do you like grow those relationships, whether you're in the field not knowing where you're supposed to stand or, or behind the plate with the catcher and, and hitters um, throughout the game? Uh, well, when I was first starting out, I really didn't know. I wasn't um... – really familiar with the the relationship aspect of baseball very much. I was just trying to like get in and get out without anything bad happening. And um, so it wasn't until it wasn't until I got into uh, the minor leagues where where I really discovered the relational aspect between players and umpires as we're moving up. We move up year to year just like the players do. And uh, we're around each other for anywhere from two and a half months to five months out of the year um working with each other all the time so 
So we, we just develop relationships throughout the course of our careers with them. I guess through that, did you form any cool relationships or big names? I know bigger than my name, of course, playing middle infield and catching with you. It's tough to beat, but um, did you get to know any kind of big, big league guys or um, players that you grew up watching maybe that then you, you were getting to know on the field and working with them? Uh, for the most part, like we come up with a lot of prospects. So um, I don't know, no, no names really come to the top of my head right away, but like if, uh, the young prospects that come up through the system. I mean, we're prospects coming up through the system as well. So I guess the people that come to mind, uh, like Isaiah Connor Falefa for the Rangers, Jose Trevino for the Rangers, Eli White for the Rangers, um, Kyle Lewis for the Mariners. Like, you know, we move up the system just like, just like those guys do. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I'm Colin Connolly, joined here by former Major League umpire Kyle McCready, and you're listening to Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. For all past, present, and future episodes of Unwritten Rules, check us out online at iowacubs.com, Spotify, as well as Apple and Google Podcasts. So you kind of talked about how you started the journey in Little League and Babe Ruth and as you were going through college, and then you kind of got your your eyes set on, okay, now this is what I want to do. Um, was MLB kind of always the goal once you talked to that other umpire, or, and did you really, like, think you would get there, or did you when, – when did you kind of know, I guess, that you were you're like, yeah, I, I can do this? Well, I don't think anybody goes to school and travels on the road making not very much money away from family for six months out of the year, wanting to be a minor league umpire their entire career. So, yeah, we know when we're getting in, like, what we're chasing after. So Yeah. So what are those – you kind of talked about just now, but what are those tests and workouts and stuff that you have to do and, and all the trainings and school and everything? Kind of take, take us through what that looks like for someone coming up through through the minor leagues. So school for me was, uh, there's two schools. Um, they're both about a month long and you go six days a week. Uh, we spent, let's see here, from eight in the morning till noon in the classroom, a classroom type setting, learning rules and the two umpire system. And then we'd take a break for lunch and then we'd go out on the field from about one o'clock to anywhere from five to six o'clock at night, just drilling what we did what we learned in the classroom that day, just implementing everything that we learned. Wow. And we do that for a month. And then um, from school, they take anywhere from 25 to 30 students from each school and then combine them into an advanced course about two weeks after school. And then those guys will work uh, for about two to three weeks in front of supervisors and then they get ranked um, between like one and 60 and it becomes your job placement number for the minor leagues based on uh, their need for guys. Wow. Stressful. Um, are, are the people teaching those classes or doing those training courses with you? Are they all like former major league umpires? Uh, one of the schools has, um, has a significant amount of major league umpires and minor league umpires that teach the school that I went to, uh, there were instructors that had major league experience. Um, they were our, they ended up being our direct supervisors in minor league baseball. But this, both schools also have uh, a large group of minor league umpires that assist in the teaching and training of the of the students. 
And then I didn't know that there were major league or I guess minor league umpire evaluators um, until I was sitting next to him in the press box working side by side with them. And I know on my side of things, they're just kind of watching the game and watching positioning and, and what calls you make. And um, I'm sure you obviously know a lot more, but what kind of goes into that after the game when they come down um, to your guys' room and do a review with you? What is that like on your end? And do you know they're going to be there or does it sometimes surprise you? Um, is that a shock to you, or do you know going into a series like, oh, we're, we're being evaluated? It just depends on as far as you knowing if they're there or not. I guess it just depends on what level you're at and what city you're in. We only get seen a certain amount of times. We don't get seen very much during the course of the season. So sometimes you may know that they're there. Sometimes you may not. Um, some of them will reach out to you before. Some of them won't. Um, but they're just we in double and below they have a standard for evaluation sheet that they that they go through and they just pretty much grade each umpire based on the criteria that they grade them on in triple a it's a little bit different um, but in double a and below they have a criteria as far as um, how they evaluate you and uh, you pretty much know what they're evaluating you on and, uh, and that's just kind of how it goes know what they're looking for a little bit I guess kind of with that, with the evaluators and in that just realm, um, you, you kind of touched on going up, coming up with prospects and going through systems with them. Um, and I know like once you made it to the majors, you were up for maybe a series or something and you come back down to AAA and you're kind of fluctuating, maybe filling in for a hurt or sick umpire or something like that. Um, with all the rule changes, I know minor league baseball testing out pitch clock and bigger bases and robot umpires and just other things being tested out here at this level. And then you go up to the majors and those things aren't there. How do you kind of keep up with what's going on with, with the rules and at what level you're at and everything? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a challenging aspect. Um, for the most part, coming up through the minor leagues, double A and below it's, you just have, you have a set of rules that you enforce consistently over a period of time. It gets a little bit different when you're bouncing up and down from the big leagues and the minor leagues on a regular basis where um, there's rules in the minor leagues that we have to enforce that we're not enforcing in the big leagues. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a, there's an adjustment there, but at the end of the day too, like it's just part of our job description that we have to do. So. Yeah. Lots of different. There's a ton of rules I'm not even aware of, and and I'm the one watching the game every night too. So I'm I can't even imagine. That's a lot going on. Speaking of new rules and and the robot umpire and stuff kind of being initiated. I know this year it's been in the minor leagues a little bit, but this year it's going in Triple A West, um, and that's where you were. How would that have affected you as an umpire? What's kind of like your mindset? Does that change the game for you at all? Or are you just still out there just doing your job and and letting those rules come in as they as they do? Well, my first experience with uh, with all the rules being implemented all at one time, being experimented with was this last fall at the Arizona Fall Week, and yeah, it's an adjustment. We're also getting paid to to do a job, and sometimes those things are not necessarily favorable to enforce. But um, at the end of the day, it is part of our job. And the Fall Week was my first experience ever with the with the electronic strike zone, and uh, it was different. I think baseball likes it and I think it's coming or else they wouldn't be experimenting with it so much. And yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience. Um, very different, uh, being put on the electronic strike zone with having your piece in my ear and having it call balls and strikes for me. Um, so that was, that was a cool experience. 
if the fan doesn't like a strike three call, just just point to the ears. Like, it's not me. I'm getting told what to do. Yeah. Um, so we'll kind of go into a little transition here, but um, what does your season look like, I guess, day to day um, when you're in the grind of the, the long season? You don't know, I guess, where you're going to be, what level and stuff. But um, when you get assigned a series, I guess, kind of just take us through showing up to the park, um, what you're doing before that, maybe what you do before a game, who you have to talk to, what you have to check on. Um, and then obviously in game, I think people kind of know, but then post game, um, what does your just day job look like? Yeah, just like uh, my daily routine, like we basically work swing shift. Um, so my daily routine, I'm probably up at around 10 or 11 in the morning. I like to get breakfast, uh, like to do a little morning routine, um, maybe do some reading. And, uh, and then I'm a, I, I was a gym guy, so physical fitness is an important part of aspect of a job. And, and for me personally, it's a big deal as well. So I'll go to the gym in the afternoons. Go get lunch after that. Come back, just kind of relax. Maybe take a nap if I if I felt like it. Um, and then we'd probably go to the yard. Let's say we got a 7 p.m. game. Go to the yard at around 5:30. Get there about an hour and 15 minutes before game time. Maybe an hour and a half, depending on just the dynamics of the crew uh, or where we were at. And then we'd work a game from you know typically our games are three hours especially in the west they're a little bit longer because we played elevation so <laughs> we hope um, they're under three hours but that doesn't always yeah happen. we hope but there's not a whole lot of games that i haven't had under three hours within the past few years so <laughs> yeah um yeah so work a game anywhere from seven to get done at about 10 um get off the field probably spend 30 45 minutes in the locker room just kind of decompressing eating post game and uh just kind of hanging out with the guys maybe talk about the game a little bit, um, but we do try to not make every moment that we're at work about baseball because it's, it's. I mean, we work every day for five months, you know, getting one day off a week with the way the schedule is now, but before it was, we would work anywhere from 19 to 26 days straight without an off day. So, um, just really trying to like not have baseball completely consume you, um, which is, I believe is healthy. And uh, then we go back, you know, maybe we'd go out to eat afterwards too. Like maybe we hit a restaurant that's open till midnight or one o'clock. I'm a food guy. So I'd like to find good spots, good late night spots that we're open to eat. So uh, I would typically go with the guys, go get something to eat at a spot and, and head back to the hotel room, probably shut it down around 1230, 1 o'clock. Nice. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What is your favorite food spot, if you had one, in yeah. Iowa? Yeah. In Iowa? Oh, man, I thought you were going to ask. Well, I mean, you can do in general. I, I thought I would be at the top of the list, but if you want to just do something in general, you can. But Well, when I was in Iowa, Iowa was a cool setup for us because we could pretty much walk anywhere we wanted to in Iowa. I would just hit up the grocery store that was by our hotel downtown. And then okay. I would just go from the grocery store to, uh, to the gym. Cause the gym was right down the street. So I would pretty much walk everywhere in Iowa and the grocery store had a good setup for, for just a hot bar and stuff. But my overall favorite, um, spot that came to mind when you mentioned that question was, uh, Henry's high life in San Jose. It's a, it's a really cool steakhouse. 
that's that's a good favorite. I don't know that we have that <laughs> have that here, so that's that's good. Uh, I was gonna ask you, kind of touched on already too, but I was gonna ask uh, after the game, you talked about like staying there for a half hour, forty five minutes. Um, you don't want to talk everything about the the game. Do you kind of go over like? calls with each other or like different rotations or um anything like that or is that something maybe you touch on like before the game the following day uh yeah we'll talk if if something weird happens during the game like something abnormal or unusual we'll talk about it in the locker room after the game um and then we'll also talk about it the next day probably talk about it the next day or also like throughout the series as well just dissecting like hey how could we have done this differently like what if this happens what if this would have happened um, so yeah, we're constantly evaluating our work and, and, uh, just determining like what we could have done different, what we could have done better, just to be better as a crew and as an individual empire as well. Yeah. And then you mentioned the crew dynamic. Do you stay with the same crew, like everywhere you go or does that get switched up? And then how is like the crew chief or head of that crew kind of determined? The, in the minor leagues, you're typically with the you're typically with the same crew all year unless somebody gets injured or gets promoted uh, or decides to resign during the season. So you're pretty much with a crew uh, the entire year. And as far as the crew chief aspect of it, um, in the minor leagues, yeah, there's responsibilities. So like, um, yeah, I would say there's everybody plays a role. We're a team, so um, everybody has their own role that they play. Um, and pretty much the crew chief may or may not designate um, who needs to do what. So, so I guess that's in the season. How about in the off season? How do you stay busy, keep up with all those various rule changes we've talked about? Do you try and get away from the game, like you mentioned, don't let it consume you? Do you try and stay up on things and keep up with all what's happening in baseball? Or what, what does your off season look like? In my off seasons, I would really just try to leave the season the season and, and just try to be present at home because – I'm gone for six months out of the year or so um, working baseball. So when I'm home, like it's like, it's like my home life, you know, and then about the time the first of the year rolls around or when spring training rolls around, that's kind of when I would start to gear up and get ready for baseball. Um, but now I don't have to worry about that. Like I just get to be a full-time dad and get a substitute teach while I'm at home right now. So, yeah, that's awesome. Do you, now looking back, I guess that you you're retired and a uh, former major league umpire. Do you have any favorite memories other than the steakhouse? But any favorite memories, ballparks, players you got to know? Yeah, as far as uh, sticking with like a big league experience, um, my first series was was a huge deal. Uh, I opened up in Seattle for my for my debut. So I mean, being living two hours, two and a half hours south of Seattle and opening up in Seattle, yeah, getting closer to home. That was a pretty cool experience. Um, favorite ballpark to work in in the big leagues? I didn't work in all of them. I only worked in a handful. Um, but let's see here. San Diego Petco Park was probably my favorite park to work at. Tough to turn down San Diego. Yeah. All right, so I guess lastly here we'll go, again, thinking back on everything. But um, I know fans always enjoy a good argument when they come or – a good ejection, the manager throwing their hat or throwing a base or, or something. Do you have any uh, ejection stories that whether it was you throwing someone out or you're just part of your crew is throwing someone out that, that you can tell on this podcast? We try and keep it clean, so that might take out a few of them, but you have any fun ejection stories or, or just manager arguments in general? 
I mean, yeah, I had a 10-year career, so I had my fair amount of ejections, especially in the minor leagues. Like, you know, I averaged probably anywhere from six to ten ejections a season, I think around eight, um, which is pretty normal, pretty par for the course, I believe. Um, but, yeah, I had a manager in my first year. Um, my first year, I got two good stories. So, my first year, I called the infield fly. The manager didn't like it. He came out. And he had like a bunch of sunflower seeds in his uh, in his mouth. Now I'm just fresh out of umpire school, so and this guy has probably been in the game for anywhere from 20 to 30 years. So I'm like completely overmatched, and I'm just a kid at umpire school, and he's sitting there screaming in my face, spitting seeds all over me, and takes off the hat and throws it to the backstop. And uh, so that was an interesting experience. My next memorable experience uh that i that i remember was uh marty pv is always good for ejections so hey um, there he is it was my first year in triple a and uh and marty's a great guy uh but marty gets ejected and marty gets ejected so uh yeah i remember one time i can't remember what it was about but uh anyway he had come out and he was screaming and yelling in my face and when marty's gonna go you you know when he's gonna go so he just slammed his hat down and, and I ejected him. But uh, Marty's cool. Marty's professional about it. And uh, so we always love, we always love having Marty. Yeah, there's some, we've seen our fair share of uh, good Marty ejections here over, over a couple years. But um, do you kind of know like that you're talking about when you're, when you come to a park, you come to Iowa or whether it's here or at just an Iowa game, do you know, oh, we got Marty, like he might try and get tossed on something. Do you kind of know going in which managers are, are looking to that or, or have a reputation for getting ejected? Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody builds a reputation within the game of baseball throughout the course of the years. Um, so, yeah, I would say, yeah. I mean, as far – and all, also the relational aspect, too. Like, you work with people throughout the course of the year and the years that uh, you kind of know what makes people tick, how they behave, and stuff like that. So some things aren't completely surprising. You talk about being overmatched by, by the umpire your first year out. Um, do you ever go back and look at those like calls when someone is arguing? I know your, your call is always the right call. You've never made a mistake ever in your 10 years, but do you ever go back and be like, uh, or even in the argument, you're like, yeah, I messed that one up, but you obviously have to stand your ground. You can't change the call, but do you know, uh, when, when something's being argued or do you ever go back and look at those or you just kind of try and forget about it? Well, when we type up ejection reports, we put video clips in. So during the season we have access to video and stuff. Um, but in terms of like now, like the position I'm in now, not being in baseball anymore, um, in terms of access to all that stuff, I don't have access to any of that stuff. Nor, I mean, I guess it would be fun to go back and look at some of that stuff. But um, when, especially when a year, when I transition from year to year, I typically wouldn't go look at previous videos, maybe on occasion, but um we have access to the videos throughout the course of the season that we're in. So um, uh, that's typically what I would use as a resource. I don't know if you've had this experience yet now that you're just freshly retired, but um, do you think watching baseball now, or I guess if you watch the playoffs in the past, do you watch it from an umpire lens or do you watch it as the baseball fan that was playing baseball and got into the sport way back when? Well, once I started umpiring, I could never watch baseball the same. I would always watch it from an umpire's perspective. I'd always be watching the umpires. I don't know if that's going to change or not. It probably won't. Um, I haven't experienced that yet, uh, but I would imagine that 
uh, it would be a very difficult mindset to get out of considering it's what I've done the past you know, 10 years professionally. That's awesome. Well, Kyle, we really appreciate you coming on, um, giving us an inside look at what an umpire's life is like. Um, it's, like I said, it's not always glamorous, but we appreciate you coming on. So that's it for today's episode of Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. Remember to listen to all episodes of Unwritten Rules seasons one and two on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music, or check them out online at iowacubs.com. For Kyle McCready, I'm Colin Connolly. Thanks for tuning in.